Well, good morning. Like Wes said, uh, Mark did have surgery again this week. His first surgery six weeks ago um, was not successful, and they went back in on Wednesday. The doctor said it was a pretty extensive repair job, but he felt good about what he was able to do. It was the uh, team doctor for the Texans and the Rockets, so we felt good about him. Um, but Mark is home now. He's resting, recuperating. I've kind of been the, you know, the recuperation police, like, don't you move, don't move that leg, don't do anything, sit still. So he is at home doing just that. Um, but we have so much appreciated your prayers all across this week. We have felt them carrying us. Um, we felt very loved, very surrounded um, by so many of you that have come alongside us. And Mark's birthday was Wednesday as well, so he got surgery for his birthday um, and many of you sent birthday wishes to him online and to our phones, and we're so grateful for that. We really do feel loved, and we thank you for that. And we were supposed to speak together today. Mark was going to be here with me, um, but those plans changed. But in the end, we decided that I would go ahead and share with you the things that we had been um, studying and preparing for this weekend. And so I'm excited to be here with you today. This is my favorite time of year. You know, at Community of Faith, this time of year, every year, we begin to share these stories with you, and it always just uh, gets me so excited to see what God is doing and what he's allowed us to be a part of as a church, and I love sharing that with you. If you've been at Community of Faith for any length of time, you know our history. You know that this church was founded with that purpose in mind, that we would use ourselves and use our lives and use our resources to tell the world about the love of Christ. And we really believe that love is the mission, that that's what God has given us to do. And, and that's what the best gift offering is all about. It's us giving our best to Jesus every year. You know, at Christmas, we give and receive gifts um, with the people that we love, right? And at Community of Faith, we always give our very best gift to Jesus. And that's the best gift offering. We want to let the world know that God loves them. And that's the way that we're able to do it as a church. As a staff, we knew that this best gift season was probably going to feel a little different. I mean, this year has felt a little different, right? Everything has been a little unsettling and, you know, coming on the heels of a, a very contentious campaign and election season in the middle of a giant worldwide pandemic. And we've seen, you know, just strife across our country and, and division and unrest. And, and for most of the us, I think these months have have felt a little uncertain. You know, you feel that. You feel the anxiety. You feel maybe anger. Maybe you're scared. Maybe you feel overwhelmed or a bit lost or unmoored. And I think we all feel that. And so we thought, well, maybe, maybe this year we just kind of put a hold on best gift. Maybe we set it aside for now and, and we look at some of these other things. But as Mark and I we're praying as the staff was praying over things leading into the end of the year. We just felt really strongly that God said, now more than ever, you need to stick with the mission that I've given to you as a church. You need to stick with the purpose that I've given to you. You need to hold fast to God's way and hold fast to God's word. Now more than ever, we have to hold to our mission. It would be so easy to lose focus, right? I mean, so much is going on around us. We can get fixated on these unprecedented times, on the turbulent circumstances around us, and get our eyes off God. 
that these are the times, these turbulent times, these chaotic times, the exact times that we need to maintain focus. That's what God is calling us to do. It's more important now to keep the main thing the main thing. That's what he wants us to do. So we're heading into this best gift offering season grateful, grateful for everything that God has done over the course of this year in spite of difficult circumstances. And we're heading into it excited to see what God is going to do in the year coming up. You know, you heard the story earlier from my refuge house in the Philippines, how God has used you through your faithfulness and giving to bring new life to these girls, to help them find healing for their trauma, to restore their lives. And and that's exactly what's happening. God is healing their physical bodies and healing their hearts and their minds and their emotions. And you guys have had a part of that from the very first day that my refuge house opened and the very first girl arrived there. And we're so proud of you guys, proud that that's what you do, that that's your heart. But you know, God is using you to do the very same thing right here in our city. One of our partners in Houston is The Landing, and some of their team is here today. I want you to help me welcome Kara, who's their executive director, Deborah, who's one of their founders, and Hillary, who is their communications director from The Landing. Will you help them feel welcome here today at Community of Faith? I'm so excited to have Hillary beside me this morning. She um, has been here before and shared with our women, and we're always happy when you're here. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you. It's a pleasure. I wonder, for those of us who may not know in the room today, give us just a a brief uh, overview of the work that you do at The Landing here in Houston. Thank you. Um, Love being here at COF, and I'm so honored to just get to share today. So about five years ago, uh, our founders who love Jesus and are so passionate about serving survivors looked around our city and just said, hey, what can we do? Where's a gap that we can fill so that more survivors would be identified, served, loved, empowered, um, all in the name of Jesus? And so one place that they kind of found was an idea for a drop-in center. And so they started five years ago the landing as a drop-in center. And we're right in kind of the heart of the worst area for human trafficking here in our city, which is off of Bissonette in Southwest Houston, where 59 and Beltway 8 meet. So we just opened our doors and we said, hey, if you are a potential victim of human trafficking here in our city, we want you to come. We want you to get food, clothing, hygiene products. We want you to have a place to just be a safe place to take a nap, to get connected to a counselor, to get help finding a job, a place to stay for a longer term of time if you're interested in that. And so that's how we began. We did outreach to the community. Um, We still go out to the streets of Bissonnette. We also do outreach through jail, through court outreach, um, through business outreach. And then recently, we just started a youth advocacy program that was launched in the spring of this year that is specifically reaching the young individuals, kids, and youth in our city, as young as 13 we've seen so far, that have been uh, trafficked. And so they are paired with an advocate, and that advocate is their friend and helps their voice be really heard as they are going through all the different systems um, that they have to face here in Houston. We're... Super grateful for what you guys do and grateful that we've been able to be a part 
um, supporting the work there. I know obviously 2020 has been a challenging year for everybody, and I wonder if you could share with us maybe some of the obstacles that you guys have faced this year and how your team has met those and overcome them. Yeah, so the first thing that we really noticed as a challenge um, this year was that you, know, you and I have access to so much information, resource, knowledge about what's going on in the world, especially when the pandemic hit. There was stuff coming out every day, something new, right? Well, the survivors that we worked with, um, we figured out, we found out that they didn't have that same access. Many of them didn't even realize that a pandemic had hit our city. Uh, what to do whenever that did happen? You know, where do I get a mask? What is social distancing? How do I keep myself safe? Uh, and so the first thing was really just spreading that truthful knowledge about what's going on. Um, another thing was that we saw the resources kind of be limited. You know, the needs went up and the resources went down. They decreased the supply. We saw shelters in our city having to close their doors because of health concerns, because of capacity. And so we had survivors who didn't have a place to go when they needed a safe place. And so we worked with a partner here in Houston, a hotel that actually allowed survivors to have safe nights at the hotel while they were finding longer term places to live. Um, and then other things like food. We decided to make food boxes with help from church partners like you guys, and we went out into the community, and we actually had our staff members deliver those food boxes straight to survivors' doors because they didn't have access to food. Uh, and other things like financial help. We helped survivors get funds that were available through the government and other programs that they just didn't know about and didn't have the ability to get. So we were so thankful to uh, be able to serve survivors during this time. And we've seen God do incredible things despite COVID. I know it's important to protect the safety and integrity of the, the people that you serve. But I wonder if you could share maybe just a couple of stories of some of the things you've Absolutely. seen this year. Absolutely. So I have two stories that really come to mind. And the first is a woman who has three children, young children, and uh, she's been working with the landing for a few years. And when COVID hit, she just stepped up as a mother who was gonna fight for her children and fight for her family to get whatever they needed to make it through. And so we had her calling up our drop-in center, talking to her case managers, even coming up to the center and saying, hey, I need this, how do I get this? Tell me more about this. What does school look like for my kids now? How am we gonna survive? And so her determination um, to, against all odds, make sure that she was gonna provide for her kids is what inspired us to keep fighting for her and the other survivors that we serve. Uh, and then another story, we have a woman who also just had a baby, so she's a first-time mom. She's been working to get her GED for over two years. It's been a long process of studying, trying to take the test, failing, trying again. And it was actually during COVID that she just decided, she was determined, I'm going to pass this thing. And so she did. She passed her GED and got that in the midst of COVID. And then she didn't stop there. She said, you know what? I'm applying for colleges. I'm going to get financial aid. So she's already been accepted into a college program. She's about to start her first semester of college. And we are just, yes, yes. We're just so thrilled and excited for her and, and encouraged that survivors are not, you know, stopping in the midst of this pandemic. They are pushing forward. And that's inspired us to continue to do the same. I love hearing those stories. It is inspiring to see what God is doing. 
You know, the unique challenges that this year have brought, um, we've seen at Community of Faith, although there are challenges that we've also seen opportunities arise. And I wonder what you guys have seen and opportunities that you're looking forward to in the new year. Yes, absolutely. We are excited because during this time, we have gotten to actually expand our empowerment program. And we're really excited to launch additional opportunities for the survivors who are trying to find jobs because that's a big thing that's been hard during this pandemic is keeping a job, finding a job. So we're going to add more resources, more partner organizations to our our empowerment program to really build up survivors to a place of independence and stability. Also expand our internship program as survivors. We right now already have one survivor who works alongside our staff to inform the work we do to earn pay and to build her own resume. And so we're going to add more survivors to that internship program and we are excited to do so. We've also been pushed into a different way of outreach. So we haven't been able to actually do the same level of street outreach and face-to-face and -face outreaches anymore. So we've been exploring online outreach, and we are so excited to see the avenues and the people that we are going to reach in this capacity that we would have never been able to um, otherwise. And the last one is we have an upcoming gala this year, our, our annual fundraiser that usually is in person, and we have about 600 people. But because of COVID, we now are going online, and we are excited to see this reach the world. So if you're interested in joining, it's a free event going to be online. Um, you can watch that on Saturday, December 5th on our website. And we're excited to see what God's going to do by just having this event open for everyone to be a part of. At Community of Faith, we always say that prayer is the work, and we really believe that. So I wonder if you would allow us, as one of your church partners, to pray for you and pray for your team and the landing this morning. Yes. And I'm going to ask that Kara and Deborah are down here too. If you guys would stand and let us pray for you as well. Will you pray with me? God, we are so grateful to hear that in spite of everything that's happened this year, that you are still at work that you can be trusted, that you are good, that you have good plans and you are working those plans. And God, we thank you for that. I thank you for the things that the landing has been able to do this year. And God, I thank you for these new opportunities that you've given to them in the year coming up. Lord, I thank you for these women, for their hearts to serve and for their love for other people and how you're using them to reach people with the love of Christ. And Lord, especially this morning, we pray for these women who are served by the landing. Lord, we know that you love them. We know that your plans for them are good and that you want them to know how very much you love them. So we pray that you would continue to expand um, their reach, that you would expand what they're doing, Lord, that they would reach more and more women and that more and more women would find freedom and healing and new life and that they would find life in you. God, we thank you for allowing Community of Faith to be a part. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for being here, Hillary. I appreciate it. These are turbulent, crazy times for sure, but it's exciting to hear and to know and to see that God is working. He's still moving. The, the Apostle Peter said in his first letter to the church in 1 Peter, he said this, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal which is taking place to test you. That is to test the quality of your faith as though something strange or unusual were happening to you. 
That's what it feels like now, doesn't it? Kind of a fiery ordeal 2020 has been. But Peter's saying, don't be surprised about that. And I think Peter probably knew better than anyone else what it was like to focus in turbulent times. He was probably thinking back to that day when he and the disciples were out in their fishing boat. Jesus had sent him on across the lake ahead of him, and this terrible storm rose up on the middle of the lake. You remember that story? And Jesus came walking to them on the water, and he said to them, don't be afraid, it's me, Jesus. And you remember what Peter did. I think the message story tells it really well, but Peter called out to Jesus, and he said, Jesus, I want to walk on the water with you. Call me out there with you. And Jesus responded, listen to his words. Jesus said, come ahead. Jumping out of the boat, Peter walked on the water to Jesus. But when he looked down at the waves churning beneath his feet, he lost his nerve and he started to sink. He cried out, master, save me. Jesus didn't hesitate. He reached down and grabbed his hand. Then he said, faint heart, what got into you? You know, Peter took his eyes off Jesus, right? And then what did he notice? He noticed all the waves churning around him. He noticed the turbulence of the sea. The foundation below him didn't feel steady any longer. I mean, he was standing on churning waves. And suddenly he began to sink. Immediately he sank beneath the circumstances. But you know, we do the same thing, don't we? We get our eyes off Jesus and we get them on the circumstances, the turbulence, the turmoil around us, and we sink, don't we? I mean, how many of you have been watching election results nonstop this week, right? It's felt a little chaotic, hasn't it? Whichever side you fall on the political spectrum. How many of you have been watching the news about the pandemic and all the statistics for months and months? It feels chaotic, right? It feels turbulent. It feels scary. Peter prays, and this was probably the shortest prayer in the Bible. Peter said, Master, save me. In times like this, our words get kind of short, don't they? There was a, recently I heard about a, an unscientific survey, but they were trying to figure out what's the word most commonly um, used when you're in a car accident. Now, you can imagine what that is, right? I don't have to tell you. And that's not really a prayer. And Peter, I imagine, being the fisherman that he was, may have uttered a few words in Aramaic, some choice words that weren't recorded in the scripture. But the good news is that he did cry out to Jesus. He wrenched his eyes off of the waves and the circumstances around him, and he said, Master, save me. He put his focus right back on Jesus. I remember many years ago when Mark and I lived in Mexico City, and Mark had a grand mal seizure. He'd never had one before. He's never had one since, but I'll never forget that day. It was scary. Um, I remember him crying out, and I ran into the room just in time to see him falling to the floor, seizing. And I started just screaming, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And Mark woke up to that. That was my prayer, a one-word prayer. When the words fail you, the circumstances has ripped my heart from anything else around me going on that day and focused them right on Jesus because I knew he was the only one who could reach down and help me in that moment. And I think that's what Peter was experiencing that day on the water. He said, Master, help me. 
Everything else around him was churning and turmoil and chaotic. And he wrenched his eyes back off of that and back to Jesus. I don't know where you are today, but if you're like me, you may be needing to do that, to get your eyes off of everything else, everything that's going on in our country, everything that's going on in the city, the pandemic that we've been living through worldwide. Maybe you need to get your eyes off of your job or your family, your kids, whatever, and put them back on Jesus. And I love what it says next. Jesus didn't hesitate. Did you hear those words? As soon as Peter cries out, he didn't hesitate. Gosh, that just makes me love him all the more, doesn't it, you? When we cry out to him, he doesn't hesitate. He responds immediately. What do you need to cry out for today? I want you to know that Jesus will respond immediately. He doesn't hesitate when you cry out to him. That's who he is. That's what he does. Some Bible translations in English make it sound as if Jesus was put out with Peter, that he was um, angry with him or he was reprimanding him. Peter, what's wrong with you? Where's your faith? Why are you sinking in the waves? But I don't think that's what happened at all. I think this message translation got it right. Jesus just kind of sighs. He shakes his head. He reaches out his hand to Peter and he says, ah, faint heart, what got into you? What happened? I imagine over the last several months that Jesus had been working with Peter on his faith. He'd been teaching him about faith. He'd been trying him and testing him and teaching him and growing him. And this was just another opportunity that Peter had to demonstrate his faith. And Jesus used a nickname here for Peter. He called him Faint Heart. You know, when you use a nickname for somebody, it's because you love them, right? It's a term of endearment. Nicknames are given to us by somebody who knows us and loves us just the way we are. And that's exactly what Jesus has done here. Jesus wasn't put out with Peter. Jesus loved Peter. Jesus saw who he was. He loved him in spite of himself. He just longed for more for Peter. He wanted Peter to be able to exercise his faith. He thought, oh, Peter, I thought you had it this time. I just wanted you to trust me in the storm. I'm right here. I'm not going to let you drown. How many times is Jesus saying that to us? Jesus wanted to be able to call Peter faith heart, but instead he called him faint heart. But here's the thing, Jesus never, ever, not even for a second, gave up on Peter. He called him faint heart here. He wanted to call him faith heart. And you know, in the end, he gave Peter another nickname. He called him rock. He ended up getting his faith placed on the right thing and in the right place. And I wonder if in this time of uncertainty, this fiery ordeal that we're going through, like the Bible says, these crazy times, is Jesus not doing the same thing with you and with me? Saying, where's your faith? Where's your faith? He wants more for us. He longs for that for us. He's trying to teach us. He's trying to grow us. Because you know, all he really wants is intimacy with you and with me. You know that, right? That's God's desire, that you have an intimate relationship with him. And when he looks at you, he's not looking at you judging you. He's loving you. He knows you. He wants to respond to you if you'll cry out. But I wonder, what's your nickname today? Is it faint heart or is it faith heart? 
I know this question challenged me this week. Where's my heart? Where's my faith? What am I looking at? Where's my focus? Is it on the chaos all around me? Or is it firmly fixed on Jesus? How can you and I be faith hearts? How do we do that? That's the answer. It's by keeping our focus, by staying true to our purpose, by believing Jesus and trusting him in spite of circumstances, in spite of how the world looks. That's why in this fiery trial, even more than ever, we have to keep to our purpose. Community of faith has to continue to be on God's agenda, to do the things that he's called us to do. We have to continue to show his love and mercy and justice to a broken world. That's what God wants for us. And if we do, you know, God's made a promise to us. You can see it in Matthew chapter 6. It says this, probably familiar verses to you, but I want you to listen to them again today. So do not consume yourselves with questions. What will we eat? Where will we drink? What will we wear? Outsiders make themselves frantic over such questions. Have you made yourself frantic this week? They don't realize that your heavenly father knows exactly what you need. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be given to you too. So do not worry about tomorrow. Let tomorrow worry about itself. Living faithfully is a large enough task for today. Did you see it? It was in verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you too. Now more than ever, we have to keep the main thing the main thing. That's what God has called us to do. We have to continue to seek God's kingdom. We have to continue to seek God's righteousness. That's where he wants our focus to be. Jesus promises that when we do, that he's going to take care of everything else. When we make his interest our concern, he makes our interest his concern. He takes care of the rest. Earlier, we sang the words, there is a name that reigns above all others, Jesus Christ, the king above all kings. So when we're troubled, when we're living in chaotic times, we focus on Jesus, the king above all kings. You know, it doesn't matter who the president is because we know the king above all kings and he's above every president all around the world. It doesn't matter what the pandemic does, what the virus does this next year because we know the king of kings and he is over every virus. We can keep our focus on him. When times are troubled, we trust the heart of the one who laid his life down for us. That's what the Bible's saying. Keep your focus on me. Stay about my task, about my righteousness, the things I've called you to do. And if we care for his interests, he promised to always take care of our best interest. Now, I didn't say he's going to always do what you think he should do but he is going to take care of your best interest. He's not going to allow us to drown. And who would you rather have looking out for the interests of your children and your family, looking out for the interest of your job, looking out for the interest of our country and the world? Who would you rather that be? I want it to be the God who created the universe, who raises up kings and brings kings down, the one who causes a death angel to pass over a house, the the great physician, the wonderful counselor. I want that one interested in my concerns, taking care of what concerns me. And that's how he does that. When we focus on what concerns him, 
he focuses on what concerns us. And he simply says that, stay the course, stick to my purpose, fix your eyes on me. Mark and I want to invite you to take a risk and join us. Dare to join us as we walk upon turbulent waves over the next couple of months. Everyone else is sinking in fear and despair. The world is hoarding resources. But you know, God doesn't do that. God is generous and he's giving and loving. And that's who he's called us to be as a church. He says, I want you to give and I want you to love and I want you to pray and I want you to go. I want you to serve, to focus on his kingdom and his righteousness. And I wonder as we begin to pray, as we begin to give generously to the best gift offering this December, and this is above and beyond our regular tithes and offerings, but as we give to these things that further God's kingdom in the world, I just wonder if we won't find ourselves walking on the water hand in hand with Jesus and all the chaos and all the turbulence, it won't even matter in our lives. On the night before Jesus was betrayed and crucified, the disciples found themselves in some turbulent times. The public opinion, the tide of public opinion had turned toward Jesus. They thought he was coming in to, to take over the government and rule their world, rule Rome, and they were figuring out that that wasn't what Jesus had in mind. That wasn't going to happen. And pretty soon, their whole world was getting ready to turn upside down as Jesus was betrayed and crucified in the most gruesome way on a cross. So the night before that was happening, Jesus spoke to his disciples in the middle of all of that chaos and turmoil. And listen to what he said. These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have shalom. In the world you'll have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. That word shalom in the Hebrew, we translate it into Greek to mean peace, but it's really so much more than what we think of with the word peace. Jesus promises peace of heart and serenity of mind, but he's saying when everything else around you may be in chaos, at the very core of your being, in the depths of your heart, there will be a peace and wholeness that only comes from him. That's what he promised his disciples, and he's saying the same thing to us today. He sees all of it. He knows everything that's going on. He knows about the pandemic and the election and your family and your job. He knows what's happening, and he says, won't you take my heart? I will give shalom to you. Won't you take my heart, my heart that beats for the broken, my heart that beats for those who feel ashamed, those who have been rescued from human trafficking, for those who are fighting disease and hunger, who don't have an education or a home. He says, won't you take my heart? That's what God has called us to do. You know, Jesus wants to call you faith heart. He wants to call me faith heart. So will you believe with me? Will you take heart and trust him even when things don't make sense? Even when things seem overwhelming? I've asked the band to close us with a special song today, and it's a song that, that I've been singing over and over in my head over the course of these months, and it's called Take Heart. And as they sing it this morning, I want you just to close your eyes and listen. And I want you to hear Jesus saying to you, I'm here. And if you'll focus on my kingdom and my righteousness, I'm going to focus 
on everything that matters to you. If you'll take my heart, if you'll step in and serve the world and give to the world for my kingdom purposes, I'm going to take care of you. And as you listen, I want you just to pray. And when you're ready, say, God, I choose to trust you. I want to be faith heart. I choose to step in and let you use me. And I want you to ask him to show you what he wants your sacrificial gift to be to the best gift offering in December. It's still weeks away. But I want you to begin to pray and say, God, what do you want me? What do you want my family to give? How do we be a part of your kingdom and your purposes? So let's believe together as the band closes us in song today.